When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Jan Vertonghen with a thumping ball. And he wakes right at the last. Lamella! Steering by Alderweireld. And he saved it. Hugo Lloris. Vertonghen captain delivers when his team really needed it. Ericsson. Just it. Brilliant. That is absolutely stunning from Christian Eriksen. Gabriele to finish Arsenal off. No song. And then he's in. Oh, he's scored. Jungmanson. He's from Jorginho and David Luiz. Oh, that's outstanding. Jungmanson. Gets it back to Dombele. How's that for making your mark on your debut? Since the days of Hubbard, our dealers. But maybe the best of all time. Wraps it up for Tottenham. Outstanding performance from Lucas Moore. It's another Derby Day goal for Harry Kane and Tottenham. Come up the hour. Come up the man for Tottenham. Here's Lucas Moore. Oh, they did it! I cannot believe it! Tottenham Hotspur heading to the Champions League final. Glory, glory, Tottenham Hotspur! Hello there and welcome back to this week's edition of The Last Word on Spurs. Different kind of week on the podcast, no game to review. So what we thought we'd do is we'd go and bring back one of Jason's favourite guests, my special guest in the form of Lyle Thomas from Sky Sports, who of course is the assistant news editor. Now, Lyle has been the man that's always filled us in on what is going on behind the scenes at Tottenham Hotspur, whether that's in terms of players potentially coming in, those going out, new contracts, just information that might be coming to light at Hotspur Way. Lyle Thomas has always been the man to bring us the very latest information at Tottenham Hotspur Football Club, and we are delighted to welcome him back to the show during this international break. Now, I'm pleased to say also on the show with me, I've got Jason McGovern. Just a reminder, guys, we really do sincerely appreciate every single review you leave us on iTunes. So if you do like the last word on Spurs, please go over there and leave us a review and hopefully you'll enjoy this next hour in store of everything going on behind the scenes at Tottenham Hotspur Football Club. Lowell, delighted to have you back on the last word on Spurs. For the guys out there, Lowell, that maybe don't know what you do, I mean, we've had you on the show numerous times. We're always getting new listeners. Do you just want to give a brief introduction as to how you cover Tottenham Hotspur in your capacity at Sky Sports News? 
Sure. Yeah. Um, so my job is uh, assistant news editor at Sky Sports News. So I'm um, part of the news gathering team there and uh, with a digital kind of specialism. Um, but uh, I think during the course of my time at Sky, which has been nearly six years now, I have developed uh, some good contacts around around Spurs and, and in London and um, and generally as well. So I, I tend to cover more clubs now or most clubs now in the Premier League, but um, but certainly the kind of the London clubs are my my patch, so to speak. So um, obviously that's included Tottenham, uh, and and you know as the yeah as each each year has gone by, I guess things have strengthened and. Uh, and I've done quite a few stories on Spurs over the years. And, uh, yeah, that's just that's why we we're here, where we are now, I guess. Now, also back on the show, it's one of his favourite of the seasons we know. Jason, I feel sorry for you, Jason. I did promise you no transfers until January. But La was around. He was available. We had a well-earned break we're going to hear in a second in Malaysia. Jason, do you forgive me for this one? You didn't even make September the 10th before the next <laughs> Now, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm going to let the viewers, the, the listeners in on a little secret. We had a, a YouTube quiz last night, which I'm sure the listeners will be able to watch in a, a few weeks' time. We covered the transfer windows. And the score, I think, in that section of the quiz was Jason 7, Ricky 0. So our, our transfer window guru no, no, no. Actually, I'm was not absolutely that. useless when it came to... <laughs> getting his facts right about the transfer window and why was I not surprised well let's be very clear Lyle Lyle is the transfer guru I'm just sitting here trying to understand what's going on that's why we've got the wonderful Lyle Thomas here now Lyle I've got to read you out a message I had from one of our listeners this was from Mark um, Mm. at LCR RUS Stumbling who said to me Hi, Ricky. Bit of a random one, but do you know if Lyle Thomas is OK? No, he comes on the pod. He hasn't tweeted for like a month and always feel like you should check on people. So, so I thought I'd ask. Now, I did tell him, Lyle, that he was having a well-earned break in Malaysia. How was the break? <laughs> yeah, really good. Thank you. Really, really good. Um, yeah, it was. Yeah, well, I don't know about well-earned. That's up for you, to, you guys to decide. But it was certainly well, uh, yeah, uh, well-timed and exactly what I needed. So, yeah, I just went to Malaysia for three weeks and completely unplugged from from as much as from here as I could and uh, yeah I didn't take my work phone with me didn't check Twitter didn't check any emails or anything like that so it was uh, yeah it was it was really 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 good and uh, I managed to to yeah switch off a few weeks and relax a bit and refresh and now I've now I've come back and I can push on and uh, yeah see what's next again did you take a trip up the Protoss Towers uh, no, actually, I didn't. We, um, me and a friend of mine, we tried to go up the uh, the, uh, the Petronas Towers one day, and they were closed. We got to the bottom of it, but we didn't. We went up the um, uh, it's called the KL Tower instead, the Sky yeah. Tower, which is like, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. Well, it was huge and tall, and it had the like a uh, what do you call it, like a window box thing where you kind of step out, and it's got like a glass floor, That's so you it. look like you're walking over air. Yeah. That was disconcerting to say the least. But um, no, I went out there to for the weather and for the food and just to yeah, just just be there. I've been there been there twice before, so I know the country quite well and it's one of my favourites. So yeah, I thought it'd be um, I thought it'd be a good destination and it was it was, it was great. So basically, you have a date, Jason McGovern, where you actually got yourself away from the transfer window when you were covering it, Lyle. I mean, that's fantastic. right let's go straight into it let's review the summer firstly because Spurs sealed a deadline day double signing with Raul Betis midfielder Giovanni Lecelso arriving on a season-long loan and Fulham's Ryan Sessegnon joining for 25 million now prior to 
this window itself. The club did not sign a player for more than a year, but then since splashed the cash over the summer, signing four players when earlier deals for Tungi Undumbele at 55 million and Jack Clark at 11.5 million were incorporated. And I suppose the first question I've got to ask you, Lyle, is what did you make of Spurs' overall business in the summer in terms of the additions and the deadline day drama? And do you believe Maurizio Pochettino was happy with the overall summer business? Well, in my personal opinion, I think it was a good window for Tottenham in terms of um, the players they brought in. If you look at it on a player-by-player um, basis, if you assess um, you know, where, which areas of the squad were priority to, to, to sort out, I think they did that. I mean, number one was obviously they sold uh, Mr Dembele, the midfield player, in, um, in, in the January before. So that was the obvious glaring hole in the team that needed sorting out. Um, and this, we've, we've covered on this podcast before, haven't we, the, 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 the lengthy scouting process that, that went into deciding who that player should be and how long they've been looking at um, and Dombelli in particular. I think we talked about it on the last podcast, didn't we, in, in June. Um, and I think they've signed an excellent player. I think he's shown already um, the potential that he's got. Obviously, he's a, he's a young player. He's still raw and rough around the edges, and, and, and but has so much potential. And I think he made a big impact in his first game, didn't he? And he's, and he's, he's got an assist already, at least one, I think, as well. Um, and it's just a shame he's, he's picked up an injury and, and not been able to, to carry that on. So, um, so I think Ndombele, great signing. Uh, La Celso, another great signing. Um, obviously, sort of an initial loan. Um, with option to buy next year but he was a, the top target or one of the top targets certainly for that position um, and they went out and they got they got the man they wanted they got the man that Pochettino wanted so uh, to, to bring in your second question on, on, on him in particular he was a, a, as I understand it one of the main players that Pochettino wants so um, although there are clearly a lot of frustrations um, on, on the behalf of on the side of Pochettino to get Lo Celso has, has got to be uh, something that will, that will please him and make him happy because he was a player that he wanted for, for all his midfield attributes, his versatility that he can play in behind the 10, sorry, not behind the 10, in 10, behind the striker or, or a little bit deeper and, and, or even off either side as well. Um, yeah, I think that's, um, he's a very, very good signing. Obviously, we haven't seen the best of him yet and we haven't seen, seen him hardly at all. Uh, but I think he, he could be a really a really good signing for Tottenham. Jack Clark is obviously one for the future. They've allowed him to go back on loan. Um, so it remains to be seen, obviously, a, a lot further down into the future, how he will do. Um, but, yeah, I think it's... it's and obviously, yeah, I mean, Sessegnon, again, is another name we've talked about at length, a long-term target for Tottenham, something they've wanted for a very, very long time. I think the first time they went in, in for him was, was, yeah, three years ago. Um, when he just after he'd made his uh, professional debut for, for Fulham, I actually watched him um, do that away at Leeds. Sorry, that was his that was his league debut, his professional debut at Leighton Orient, but um, about a, a week before. But he played away at Leeds on his on his championship debut and completely tore Leeds to shreds. And it was in front of Tottenham scouts who were there as well that 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 day. And, and I believe shortly after that day. They started some talks with Fulham to try and get him then and, and couldn't come to an agreement. And they try, obviously tried a number of windows after to do a deal. Um, but for listen, we can talk all night about what the reasons for that are. But they finally got their man. And again, he's another one like like Clark who has the potential. He's still very very young, and it's uh, he's going to be an exciting one for the future. And I think we shouldn't expect too much of him too soon. Even though he's played in the Premier League for a year, I think he's playing for a struggle struggling team last year. So. I think I said that as well, didn't I, on the on the podcast you did. before that? Yep. That yeah, I mean, 
know, people should pay pay as little attention as possible, I think, to to the first season that he had um, in the Premier League because he was playing for a struggling team. I don't want to say he was playing out of position, but he actually was playing out of position towards the end of the year, out of necessity, really. Uh, when Scott Parker took over as manager, he was playing off the right because they had players to play off the left. Um, and they wanted Ryan to do a job off the right um, to, to try and to try and bring them a different dynamic up front. I think he did that a little bit, but um, obviously his natural position is, is anywhere up that left-hand side. And I know people assume and believe that he's now a left winger, but but um, I know a lot of his coaches at Fulham, um, past and present, including Slavisa Jukanovic, who was obviously the, the, the manager that brought him through into the first team to begin with, believe his long-term future is a, is a, is a left-back or, la- or a left-wing-back. Um, he was he was moved to left-wing left as a bit more of a, of a of necessity because of Fulham's, the shape of Fulham's squad um, when they got promoted. And obviously, he was really, really impressive there and, he, and, he, and he's a good player there. But I think um, I think he's been brought in as a, as a, as a long-term left-wing-back. I mean, I know they wanted him as a replacement for Rose. Rose was obviously on the market um, but didn't end up leaving. But yeah, to, to not ramble on too much about Ryan Sessegnon, because we all know what he's capable of. I think he, again, is another really good signing. So, yeah, on the face of it, player by player, good window for Tottenham. They spent a lot of money, spent more money than ever spent before on, on individual players. So they made that kind of a statement. They really showed to the rest of Europe that they are now a club that can afford to spend or, or have the money to spend, you know, 60, 70 million on a player or two if they need to. Um, so it's a bit of a statement in the market. Um, and it's lifted them up to to kind of that next um, that next level, I would say, in terms of dealing in the transfer market. Um, so, yeah, um, so Pochettino, yeah, he, well, he, he's obviously showed a lot of frustration during the summer and afterwards, but I think um, player by player, he should be he should be pretty pleased. I think what he's not pleased with is the fact that his squad is now uh, bloated. Um, it's now, uh, he's got too many, too many players in there, effectively, for him. Um, and I know Pochettino likes a small... Not just a small squad, um, generally, um, to fit to fit the criteria you need to for a Champions League squad and Premier League squad. But also, um, training is obviously massively important to him. You know, he his training numbers. He likes to keep them down to essentially two teams of eleven and an extra keeper or or, or, or one more. And he likes to keep those numbers uh, as as tight as possible. So what he has is a situation where then he can fit into his into his squad, and uh, and I, I guess that has the potential, therefore, to to have a knock on effect. And those players who aren't in the group to become unsettled and unhappy and then that can obviously rub off on on other players and and things like that so i think um i get the sense that, that that's the kind of thing that he's concerned about really with the with the, with the bloated squad his frustrations were, were were mainly centered around the fact that there were a number of players still around that uh, i think he was hoping to move on i mean he said didn't he publicly before the window that that he expected it to be painful I think is how he described it wasn't it that was the word that he used um, that there would need to be some quite considerable changes to, to refresh things and I think they got probably maybe 60% 70% through that through trying to make those changes but obviously not all the way um, and so we are we're here where we are and there's still some players around that perhaps um, didn't think they were going to be there yeah it's interesting you said that, Lyle, because we refer to it now as kind of Tottenham 2.0, this next project, the next rebuild. And, Jace, you've always been the advocate that 
that's probably where his frustrations are, the fact that he hasn't been able to rejuvenate the whole squad. There's players there that he doesn't necessarily want to keep. Do you think, Jace, for you, that is where there is that frustration that Lawa lose to himself? Yeah, I, th- I get the impression. I mean, maybe a little bit of the frustration was just the delay in some of the signings, but I'm sure, I'm sure he knew every day roughly where we were with those with those signings anyway. But but the frustration, yeah, you've got question marks over what Rose Zoria, Wanyama, Eriksson, Alderweireld, Vertonghen. You know, that's six six players in the squad, and that's uh, that's a lot of players whose futures are. Are uncertain about, and if you add into that Trippier and Lorente that we we did move out, the door. okay, Vincent Jansen left, but hasn't really been part of the squad now for what two or three seasons. So, but you know, there's there's eight players there whose whose future was up in the air, and only only two of them have ended up leaving. So, I'm sure that's where the frustration comes from, and and uh, and that and that can creep as Lyle says, that can creep right the way through to the training sessions where you've got you know six players that that are just just unsettled and you know, perhaps not fully focused on their own training ways. Jace, we've definitely seen, haven't we, a more agitated side to Maurizio, probably the most we've seen in the six years at the club. Is that how you also see it? I mean, that, that's how it does appear to come across in some of his pre-match press conferences, his post-match press conferences. But we have to bear in mind that was with that European window still open. And it will be now intriguing to see, with that now officially closed, just if his mood does change over the coming weeks. Yeah, but you know, part of that as well. Let's be fair. I can't believe he's much different to me in that respect. That some of us are completely bored by the transfer window after a week of it, and and he gets asked in 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 press conferences, every single press conference after every single game, every single preseason friendly, he gets asked the same questions by the same journalists, and and you know, I would imagine when you've been asked a question sixty five times and you've answered it. You know, it's not up to me. I don't know who we're signing or where the signings are. It must get incredibly irritating and frustrating for him. Okay, interesting. Look, back over to yourself. We have heard reports, and you are more in the best place to confirm this than what we know, that Rizzo Pochettino and Daniel Levy have held meetings to discuss the following concerns. Again, this is alleged, so you're going to know a lot more than this than us, really. Um, New contract negotiation, players to remain and leave come January, trying to eradicate the form in 2019, which, to be fair, you could describe it as sluggish, and how Spurs are going to eventually push on. Are we reading in between the lines here, Lyle? Are we right? Are we wrong? Um, well, I mean, it sounds like... Uh, I mean, listen, again, I've not been here. So, uh, and, and as I've, I've said to you guys, I'm kind of plugging back into things gradually as, I, as I've come back. So this has all been going on while I've been away, these meetings and things like that. But um, I've, I've certainly read... Um, that they've taken place. I've read Pochettino's comments when I came back uh, where he talked about the meetings and how, well, he, I think he described them as clear, kind of clear the air sort of talks really that him and him and Daniel needed to sit down and, and, and talk about communication issues and um, trying to create, I guess, trying to create a new feeling within the club. I mean, Pochettino, I get, he, he's all about the, the, about creating a feeling and creating emotion. And he, I think he knows that that is the, the really the key ingredient to, to success that you can have all the best players in the world or you can have um you know a fantastic running uh, football club as a business and you can have um you know good communication good relationships and, and and what have you in a great stadium and a great training ground but to really to win to win trophies uh you you need to create a, a positive atmosphere um and, and i know that sounds a bit corny but it, it, uh, he really does believe that you need to create 
passion and, and uh, a feeling of togetherness around the whole squad. So um, I think it just goes in, it, it, it ties into the business that they, they wanted to do and wanting to move certain players out is that clearly when you have players like Christian Eriksen, for example, who's expressed you know, an interest in, in, uh, in moving elsewhere and, and playing for another club, Clearly, by default, they're, they're they're not fully committed to to the cause that you are you're trying to achieve. And listen, again, this is just my opinion, but it, it, it seemed to me that, that Ericsson, uh, in particular, his form dropped off towards the end of the season. And I don't think it's any coincidence that that is at the same time as his um, you know, future is becoming increasingly uncertain. So, um, yeah, listen, going back to the to the to the meetings, all those things that you mentioned, uh, I'm sure are obviously the kinds of things that they need to talk about. There are some glaring um, issues that need to be uh, ironed out um, between between the chairman and, 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 and the manager um, with regards to, to, to contracts and playing staff and, and, and what have you. But, but gauging again from what Pochettino said, I think it was probably more about uh, re-establishing a, a, a good line of communication and a good line of understanding between, between the manager and the chairman. So... Whether, whether they achieve that time will tell, I guess. Just want to get your thoughts, Lyle, on Tungi Nabele, that signing, because we discussed him in our last show, well, obviously back before the window, I think was just opening. And mm. there was obviously some interest there from Tottenham. We didn't know how strong that interest was. For you to make a signing like that, you referred to earlier as though that is sending a statement. Is that how you truly see it, where Spurs have now gone up a level in terms of the players that they're able to attract as a football club? They've definitely gone up a, a level in terms of the players they can attract. Absolutely. I mean, this is their Champions League finalist last year. But things can change very, very quickly. Um, it's all about the success you have on the field in, in, in that particular year. Now, Tottenham have had uh, you know, a sustained period of, of, of relative success in the sense that they've now established themselves as one of the principal Champions League clubs. And you know, not just one of the, the clubs that now always qualifies, but certainly now one of the clubs you would expect to make... Um, the knockout stages, at the very least. So um, they've definitely lifted themselves up to to a level on 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 that basis. Um, but I think we I don't know if we spoke about this in the um, in the previous podcast in June. But actually, that 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 deal was made um, more uh, possible, perhaps straightforward, because of the Champions League run. So the way I understood it is that that, that the board had, uh, shall we say sanctioned to Pochettino a certain amount of the Champions League revenue they uh, they achieved for getting to the final which was obviously substantially more than than, uh, than in previous years and it, I, the way I understood it was there was roughly around 70% of their, their final uh, winnings which I worked out as being somewhere in the region of about 60 to 65 million pounds which I think is around what they paid in the end so that was why they were able to to, to do that and do that swiftly um, and I think the fact that we've seen La Celso on an initial loan deal with, a, with an option to buy next year shows that, or, or it certainly indicates the, 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 the information that um, was coming to me at that time, which was that they would need to recoup some funds from player sales in order to do another deal of that sort. Um, and I think a lot of that was, was, was resting on Ericsson. Um, so I think they were, they were hoping to move Ericsson out not just from a footballing point of view in the sense that he was obviously had his eyes elsewhere, but from a financial point of view as well, that that would allow them to reinvest in at least one other player, depending on how much they, they were to get for him. 
Mm. But that didn't materialise, so uh, I think they were pushing it right until the end. Obviously, the move to Real Madrid didn't materialise, but uh, I think they were pushing it to the end, really, and, and seeing if he could uh, establish a move elsewhere. And there was some initial interest from Manchester United towards the end of the window. Um, so I, I think the, 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 one of the reasons the La Celso deal dragged on is because we didn't really know what that deal was going to look like. They weren't going to commit the funds to buying La Celso um, unless Ericsson left. And he didn't leave, so they were able to do an initial loan deal instead, which is a good deal because you obviously still get the player. The player, La Celso, can settle in and establish himself um, over at least six months until January when Ericsson uh, could potentially leave again or, or, or for the whole season. So I think and that's another reason why that is, uh, well, on the face of it, a good deal. Chase, what do you make of that deal itself in the Chelsea? Because it did seem a bit of smart business from Daniel Levy to be able to negotiate himself this season on loan for Giovanni Luchoso with the obligation to buy the player without having to put the full fee up front at the time. Wasn't there a suggestion that part of that anyway was to uh, to, to to make sure that Betis received a lot closer to what they originally wanted and that their sell-on clause to Paris wouldn't be wouldn't be affected in the same way because 14 or £15 million pound of the loan fee would disappear off the off the sell-on clause, which is was what 20, 25% to Paris or something. So, you know, it meant that the, the net receipt to Betis was a lot more than they would have got. And, and Tottenham have the advantage, obviously, of not having the full outlay. And the interesting thing to be would have been where was the where was the money for uh, Dybala in that case going to be coming from? Lo, coming back over to yourself, you've mentioned him already, but just to go into a bit more detail, I think all of us were quite surprised to see Christian Eriksen remain at the club. I think we'd even say Maurizio Pochettino, who expected the player to go. We have to remind ourselves that Eriksen did come out after the season finished to be very public and say that he wanted a new challenge, which never materialised. Just how surprised, Lo, were you to not see the player move on? I mean, you mentioned there was some interest from Real Madrid, maybe late interest from Manchester United. Was a deal ever close for Eriksen to leave the club and was he tipped off maybe early in the summer to come out publicly to state you know an interest in leaving the club to try and maybe force that move elsewhere I wouldn't say even necessarily forcing a move I think actually Christian was probably answering a question quite open and honestly when he was asked after the season his situation and whether he was looking elsewhere um, I know he had his heart set on Real Madrid and and, and this is again the difficulty one of the difficulties we've talked about with regards to the tra- transfer window in general anyway is that you need all sides to agree so if just because Tottenham wants this guy out doesn't necessarily mean it's that straightforward because he's not just going to go wherever um, wherever you tell him to go or certainly there might only be a small clutch of teams that he's willing to sign for so I think if you're Christian Eriksen um, you're not on a, you know, you've still got a year left of your contract at Spurs, and I wouldn't say he's unhappy at Spurs. I think I don't think he's ever indicated he's actually unhappy. Um, you're going to only be looking at, at making a step up, really, at his point in his career, and, and going to another top team. So, you know, you, um, you need to make sure a team, top team actually wants you. And uh, the problem with the Real Madrid side of things was that, as I understand it, there was disagreement between. Zidane and Perez over which players they were going to target and which players they wanted in the team. Now, this is not, um, uh, yeah, this is this is a common issue again, isn't it? But a lot of football clubs of where perhaps the board and the manager don't agree on the best way forward. So, I think that, that both Spurs and Christian were hoping that um, the Real Madrid board might be able to convince Zidane to take Christian, and Christian would go there and be able to prove himself. But ultimately, that didn't happen, and. Um, 
it was Zidane, Zidane was looking at other players, others again that he didn't get um, in the end. So if you're Christian, you know where where do you go now? The only other team that I was aware that were kind of serious uh, for a time were were Manchester United. I know Ali Gunnar Solskjaer. I'd heard there uh, was particularly keen to sign him. Um, and one source had said to me that he was one of um, Ollie's top targets to get in the team. Uh, but again, that's uh, again. I, d- I don't think um, that's a step up for Christian Eriksen, is it? Going back to what I was saying before uh, at the moment, uh, Manchester United are a top club, and it's, it's a matter of of opinion whether they're still the the, the 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 world power or the European power in terms of attracting players they were before. I would argue that they're not because uh, because of the situation they're in with with, with um, no Champions League football and. And having struggled over the last few years, I think players are a bit more pragmatic about things and less, um, shall we say, uh, purely basing their decisions on on the romance of a club. They obviously base it on a lot more than that. And is United really a destination from Spurs anymore? I don't think it is. This is this ties into part of the part of the problem for Tottenham is that um, they are now they've emerged as a top club. You know, selling selling your players elsewhere can become more difficult. Um, because when you're at the top and you're giving good truck contracts and you want top dollar for your players, there's actually only a small clutch of teams that can afford to buy them or to give you the transfer fees that you want. Um, and so the, 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 the pool of potential destinations for your players is reduced quite, quite, quite considerably. I mean, someone like Ericsson in particular, that's the case. I think that's been the case for Toby Alderweireld as well, is that actually the options for him haven't been there. The options that he's wanted, you know, the top clubs... Um, for various reasons. So, so yeah, back, going back to a question, am I surprised to see Christian Eriksen at the club? No. Um, are Tottenham surprised he's there? That's a good question. Some people, <laughs> some people perhaps would be. Uh, some people, maybe not. That's interesting. Jace, thoughts over on Christian Eriksen? I mean, he's a player that you defended at the time when he came out with those comments because it was after the... Season had finished. Danny Rose made similar comments in terms of maybe leaving the club during a season. Where do you stand on Christian Eriksen's future, Jace? Overall, well, I think I think that where I defend the comments, it's not so much how he commented. I think he'd have been a lot wiser just not to have said anything in public. What I've what I said was, it's not a surprise that a player wants to to make a move to Real Madrid or Barcelona. And, and I've always said, if you asked. Probably 90% of players in the Premier League, would you want to go to Barcelona or Real Madrid? They'd probably all say yes. So, you know, it wasn't a, a, a massive surprise that he'd go there. I think where he was a, a little bit foolish is, is just by by making that, that public. And it, it leaves you in a much more difficult position then if the move doesn't materialise. And you know, it was interesting this week that he, he chose not to not to make any comment on his future, didn't he? And was just dead, dead still on a Tottenham player and, and then refused to answer any more questions. And, and that's really all he needed to do in the summer. And I think a lot of, of the fans would 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 be a lot more um, on his side, if you like, if he, if he hadn't come out and, and said what he said. But um, it, it didn't surprise me that he was still there because, you know, I, I think I said it many times last year. I just don't see Christian Eriksen as a Real Madrid player. I think, you know, there, there has to be a, the element of the... Galactico and an image and everything. And Christian Eriksen, I think, is far more of a of a Juve Barcelona style player. That it's it's not just about the ego. At Real Madrid, you you feel like you've got to sell shirts and you 
you've got to do do crazy things or make stupid statements or or you know you, you've got to have that real image like Pogba is like like Cristiano Ronaldo was and and, and that's what a, a Real Madrid player is it's more than just just the player that takes the pitch and I've just never seen Christian Eriksen as, as that way he's just the quiet lad isn't he there's, there's no real social media presence from him and he just goes in plays his football goes home afterwards no, no, for want of sounding old-fashioned, no silly haircuts, no tattoos, no dances when he scores, no, no emojis in his Twitter accounts and things. <laughs> it's just, just, I mean, he's a footballer from from thirty years ago, if you like, and and that's why I never saw him as a Madrid player. Lol, I have to ask you this question: Is there any way remotely you think in your mind where Christian? could still end up signing a new contract at the club? Or do you think that time has been and gone? He has made it clear he wants a new challenge and therefore we are expecting him to depart the club once that contract expires. Or even January, maybe. Tell us. Yeah, good question. Um, and something really, actually, that's for me um, and well, and any other journalist or Tottenham journalist um, to find out, really, over the next few months, the, the answer to that question. Um, because... I think it would be up, obviously up to Christian whether he can re- recommit himself. And I, I don't mean, mean necessarily recommitting to a contract, but actually personally recommitting himself to Tottenham, you know, whether he can actually um, re-motivate himself to, to commit to another three, four-year deal at Tottenham and, and, and potentially, you know, a few more years of trying to push the club forward and, and trying to win trophies. Um, now, I'm not, I, I don't, I'm not inside Christian's mind, so I don't know what he's thinking, whether he could or not. I mean, I know he did say when he when he talked about initially uh, in the beginning of the summer that he um, he was thinking else uh, elsewhere. He, uh, he I think he said as well that he wouldn't rule out staying and signing a new contract. But again, there's every, everything else that needs to go into that. He also needs um, to feel the support of the club as well that um, that they want him to do that. So that would be for them to talk about. Um, if they have any discussions over 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 his future and and his contract um, towards January time, as as I'm sure that will happen, um, yeah, to to whether he whether he can commit, whether he, whether his heart is still in it, um, and and we will see that a little bit, I guess, as well if he's um, if he's in the team, um, whether his heart's truly still in it or or not as well. So it'll be it'll be an interesting few months ahead to observe Christian and the way he conducts himself and. And uh, how often he's in the team or not in the team? Because um, I mean, listen, Pochettino has certainly shown that if he has players around who are not committed, he's not afraid to keep them out of the team, whoever they are. And would that be fair, Lord, to kind of finish it up on Ericsson that he didn't start maybe the first couple of games because his head maybe wasn't in the right place with that window still open, the European window, of course. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I think he, I think he, it's clear that he was, his mind was elsewhere. I mean, listen, you see it again. You see it around countless clubs countless clubs and, and some clubs even take the proactive decision themselves to take a player out even if a player you know wants to play because um, they don't think that their mind is uh, is necessarily properly on the job in hand um, yeah I mean it's not covered in detail Neil, Neil Morpai's situation in Brentford was like that in, uh, this summer where it was it was a, a mutual decision uh, between everybody really that he was he was not focused on on, uh, on playing so yeah it's, it's the sensible thing to do Right, guys, we are going to go for a very quick break. And after we return, we are going to discuss with Lowell just where we was with the Paolo Dybala saga, how close we were to getting him over the line, Danny Rose's recent comments, which I can't wait to get the thoughts of Jason McGovern on, plus more transfer news, players potentially coming in, those leaving, 
don't go anywhere. But first, we have to say we are delighted on the last word on Spurs to announce a brand new signing to the team in the form of Anna from Spurs XY. Now, Anna is going to be covering all of our Spurs women content this season. So we are delighted to have Anna on board. Here is her review of Tottenham Hotspurs opening Premier League game for the ladies against Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. Hello everyone, I'm Anna from Spurs XY and welcome to a brand new segment on Last Word on Spurs where I'll be talking about Tottenham Hotspur women. In today's episode, I'll be talking briefly about the club's history, how we did in the opening fixture of this season and what I'm looking forward to. So briefly, if you haven't known already, Spurs women have climbed from the bottom all the way to the top, reaching promotion to the Barclays FA Women's Super League, which is the top flight in the women's division this season. This is the first time we've been here and it's a massive achievement and it goes down to the players, the coaches and the whole staff. And I follow the ladies for a couple seasons now and it's absolutely amazing. I love the style of football we play. It's through and through Tottenham. So if you're looking for some extra games, especially during international breaks or some Sundays, then I can highly recommend going to watch our ladies. We are very good. We've got a mix of players who've been around for a while. We've offered pro contracts for them. We have signed a lot of new, exciting players, some who are young and talented and some who are well-established and have played in the in this division before who can bring that experience for us. So the opening weekend, we played against Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. And now this is the first time this season where um, some of the games are played at the parent club's grounds. So Stamford Bridge, we saw an attendance of around 24, 25,000, which was an absolute record attendance for Chelsea as well. They said that that was five times and any attendance before. We all will be hosting a North London derby at our new stadium. Manchester City hosted a Manchester derby at the Etihad Stadium, which saw a 31,000 attendance. So it was a record-breaking weekend for women's football. And I'm lovely, loving, loving how much coverage is being promoted through this but I'm getting carried away with that let's get back to the game so we lost 1-0 but it was a very respectable 1-0 we lost against a Chelsea side who have internationals full internationals players who played in the World Cup and they've been in this top flight for a couple seasons now so you could actually see that there was a little bit of a difference but we definitely grew into the game and I was very excited for the season ahead there are a lot of players I haven't seen before but I was very excited to see them play there were a lot of established player some of my favorites were still around so it was very very exciting I think my man of the match will have to go to Becky Spencer who was in goal apart from conceding a goal which she had absolutely nothing to do about it was a beautiful uh, shot in top bins nobody could save that she uh, she just dominated the whole game she made so many good saves and that's pretty much what kept the um, the results so respectable and also our defenders they literally put their bodies on the line almost all the time so it was a massive performance we had some good moments going forward as well so it's very very exciting this time I don't want to talk too much about it because I just want to keep this nice and sweet but looking ahead we've got a game at the hive which is going to be our home ground for at least the first a couple opening games we're going to be playing against Liverpool this Sunday so if you don't have any plans then I can highly recommend going down getting involved with the ladies it's a very different atmosphere it's a lovely family friendly atmosphere everyone's love like it's it's just such a different feel to it and it was really really nice supporting them I'm very excited that the season's back and you can see some quality Tottenham football we play out from the back a lot of similarities between the men's team and the women's team it's all very fascinating. 
Uh, if you didn't know that they also train at Hotspur Way, we've got two coaches. We've got Karen Hills and Juan Carlos Amoros. And I will talk about the squad later on in other episodes, highlight some key players just so we can all get to know them a little bit better. But that was it for this episode. Just wanted to keep it nice and sweet. I'm very excited for this season. My hopes are not high in the sense that I don't think, you know, we're not challenging for the title. Chelsea and Arsenal and City all have much stronger teams in United as well, who've only established, this is only their second season as a football club, but they've bought a lot of um, good players. So I think for this season, our aim is to just stay up, establish ourselves, which I think based on the first game, we can definitely do so yeah it should be a very exciting game and all i can say is if you've got the opportunity to don't to then go and support our ladies come on you spurs women hi guys welcome back to the last word on spurs now one of the players that on deadline day if you put his name in twitter he was trending i think Spurs supporters across the world were fascinated by just how close spurs came to signing palo dybala and la we have to ask you just how close were Spurs to getting this transfer over the line? And could, I say could, it happen in January? <laughs> yeah, there's the more, probably the most exciting one, wasn't it? If you were a Tottenham fan, I think um, in the summer when Dabala's name came up, um, yeah, certainly he would have been very much a statement uh, for the club to sign. You know, a real quality second striker of his nature would have been, uh, would have been a real coup. Um, and listen, he was, again, another top target and one they pushed for to the end to try and get done in, in varying ways, um, you know, like they did with the Celso one ended up doing that as a loan. I think a lot of different proposals were made and, and, and unfortunately they just couldn't get through that um, that third party uh, uh, image rights um, uh, issue, uh, which is a difficult one to un- un- unpick uh, legally. Listen, we can, we can talk for, for ages about the kind of nitty gritty of that really and I think it would be a little bit that would be the more boring side of it. Um, but there's no reason why he wouldn't still be a, a, a target for Tottenham in, in January or come next summer. I mean, he hasn't moved anywhere else, has he? So, um, yeah, listen, uh, again, watch and, and, and try and find out more on with interest over the next few months to see if that's something that they could, they could line up for January. Uh, I think it's clear that, that they want another, um, another forward. I think that's the, the one area of the team where there's now a, a, a gap that um, that hasn't been filled. Obviously, they didn't give another contract to Llorente as well. So, I think he would have been. I think he would have been ideal personally. Um, on a, you know, certainly from a technical point of view, from what he offers, the versatility that he offers, um, that he can play as a nine or can play as a ten, or you know, and and uh, and such a such a danger in front of goal, such a quality player in front of goal as well. He's got bags of goals in him, so. Um, so yeah, it was uh, yeah they were definitely pushing it right up until the very end, but and, and couldn't get it couldn't couldn't unpick that mess. Um, but uh, listen, they've got months ahead to try and do that. So let's see what happens. Okay, interesting. I'll get your thoughts on him, Jace, a player that let's be honest on that last day it caused a massive storm on Twitter. I know you don't like getting into the nitty gritty of talking transfers, but to have got this player over the line would have been a statement for you, Jace. Is he a player you would like to see the club try and? go back in for in January? Well, first of all, I, ne- I never ever saw it was going to happen at all. I, I didn't fall into the fact that we were going to sign him. I just thought, no, this is too big a name player to be trying to trying to get across the line in the last two days in the window. And once the, the image rights thing came up, you just thought this is just a, a minefield and we're never going to get through it. 
I'd kind of be surprised if it's in January. I think the moment for us might well have have gone. I don't mean that in a really bad way, but I think it's a type of sign in a game like Andomale that you can make on the back of a Champions League final. Whereas, you know, presumably, I think he is in Juve's squad, isn't he, for the Champions League this year? So, um, you know, January be cup tied for it if we're still in it. Juve may well be progressing into the, the should probably be in the knockout rounds themselves. Is it the type of move that he'll want in January, or does he want to reevaluate it next summer himself? And I, I, I think that's that's the more likely way it will go. And Tottenham, you know, we'll, we won't know if we'll have the advantage of being in a Champions League final again. So it's a it's a difficult one, and I think. You know, there may well be more options for him to, to for, for next summer. And I think, you know, the fact that we all now, the whole world knows that he's available, whereas perhaps that wasn't the, the case in June or July where there was no real mention of, of him coming. It was only seemed to be when Sarri eventually took his position there that, that the movement happened. But, you know, I think there'll be a, a lot more opportunity for him next summer and, and we've probably missed the boat. Lyle, give us some optimism. Can you can you see it happening? I mean, he's a, he's a he's a wonderful player. I mean, he is a truly remarkable player. And you know, the fact that he's Argentinian, the same as Maurizio Pochettino, he's got a lot of these around the squad now. It has to be said. You know, you've got Lamella there, Gazaniga there, Lachelso there. I mean, he's got himself a nice group of mm-hmm. the Argentinian lads. Obviously, he's all his coaching staff is Argentinian. Juan Foyf's Argentinian yeah. as well. Do you think? I look at this transfer and it reminds me so much to the Moutinho deal, which Lara must remember at the time. It was kind of deadline down to AVB. And then Spurs put out mm. a statement saying because of the kind of third party ownership, it was always going to be a transfer hard to do. When it is so last minute like that, does that make that transfer just even more harder to do? Because speaking to some supporters, they were telling me that maybe if Tottenham had the beginning of the summer, they may not have had the opportunity to sign the player. And it's because the opportunity came so late that it made it viable for a club like Tottenham to sign him. Do you see it like that? Well, yeah, there were, uh, I think every every club and, and all the agents out there that had any interest in what Juventus were doing were all waiting to see what they were doing in terms of their manager. I mean, that's, yeah, that's uh, un- unfortunately for everyone else, it's, that's just the first issue that needs to be um to be addressed, really. If you're going to bring in a new manager, you need to get him in the door and have those discussions about who he wants to keep and who he doesn't. And you never really know until the manager gets in there and, and watches them train as well So, and, and establishes really how he wants to wants to play. So, obviously, it materialised some way mid through the through the window that Dybala was um, potentially available and, and, and not really uh, the kind of player that Sarri could see in his team and and once you get that glimmer of hope once some you know once that door kind of get edges open to to the possibility then that's when you go for it and you and you work you work as hard as you can as a club to try and get a player in and and, and as i understand it that's exactly what tottenham did but um just weren't able to get it over the line unfortunately um but um yeah i think tottenham need to be pushing up up in the, in the top four and obviously pushing for um Pushing hopefully for the for the Premier League title come come January, that will really help their cause if they're going to go back in for a player like Dybala. You know, if you're if you're hit like if you're that player, you're going to be looking at where the club are in the league and and uh, and and on what fronts they're competing. Obviously, we'll know by that point as well whether they're in the Champions League knockout stages or, or not as well. So that'll be another important aspect. So you know, those are the types of factors that um, are you know interchangeable and, and, and unknown at this stage and. Um, we'll have to get a lot closer to the window, um, but at this point, um, 
I don't see any other any reason why they um, why they wouldn't try and target him again, especially if he if he doesn't play a lot of Juventus. So again, we'll have to see what happens there. I think the other thing that will depend on is is if it does happen next summer. The essential thing is that we're a Champions League club for that following season because if we're if we're League Cup winners, as everyone talks about the trophy, but in in the Europa League, we won't be signing Paolo Dybala. So we have to be a top four club if you want to go and get him, that's for sure. Yeah, one to keep an eye on, definitely. Lyle, another player that we were linked to on the deadline day very strongly was Bruno Fernandes. Now, subsequently, since the European window is shut, we have seen Sporting President Federico Fernandes actually admit that Spurs were the only club to make a serious proposal for the player. And it always seemed, Lyle, that from what we were reading, you can tell us more, that it was always going to be Le Celso or Fernandes, never both of them, regardless of Ericsson either staying or leaving the football club. Mm, yes, exactly. That's the way I understood it. Um, never both of them, either or. Certainly in this window, anyway. Um, again, I think it would, if they were to go back in for a player of his ilk, it would depend on who would move out and who wouldn't. Um, now, the interesting thing about Fernandes is that he really is the sort of all-round attacking midfield player. Like he's slightly different from the Chelsea in the sense that he can also play that kind of Dybala second striker um, position. So if we were to get to January and Dybala was not a goer, but Fernandez was potentially a goer um, and could present that, that another forward option in that regard, then maybe it'd be something they would look at again. Um, but I don't know. I don't know for sure that that would be the case, but. I think Fernandez is is um, has more of that to his game than uh, you know the goals that the playing up alongside a striker and playing off a striker in him than Lacelso does. Um, so yeah, again, it'd be it'd be interesting to see what happens when we get closer to January time as to whether the, whether he is, firstly whether he's available um, potentially and um, whether whether they whether Spurs and Mauricio. And his his technical staff really believe that um, Fernandez could do a job as a second second striker. Um, if they do, then uh, then yeah, then maybe he'll be a he'd be a target the, the sort of Dybala player rather than the, um, the, the 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 ten playmaker, shall we say? The interesting thing with Fernandez, you see the the two sides of the Spurs fan base, don't you? You see the, the Daniel Levy haters, if you like, saying. You know, why didn't we pay the money? Just just go ahead. And they wanted seven, what was it, 70 million euros. We should pay it. And then there's the other side that says, hold on, Sporting or Sporting admit themselves they only had one serious offer, and that was for 45 million. And there was no other no other clubs. And yet he was a player that was linked with a number of other clubs, and yet Sporting say there was only one serious bid on the table, and that was the the 45 million plus add-ons. So you know, why on earth would Tottenham want to spend 70 million on a player that nobody else thought was worth spending more than 45 million on? Yeah, interesting with Fernandes. And like we have to say, like Lara's mentioned, one definitely to keep an eye on. Now, we have discussed already Christian Eriksen in terms of the players that may have left this summer. And it's definitely worth talking in a bit more detail about the players that did eventually leave and those that stayed. And Jay, sticking with you, one of your favourite players at the club has come out with some recent comments and I want to get your reaction to it instantly is Danny Rose now Danny Rose again has given an interview and I've got to be honest with you um, as much as I defended Danny across the summer and wanted to start the football club he's not made the best of starts to the season 
So I am quite surprised of the timing of Danny Rose's interview. He suggests that he's got nothing to prove this season, despite confirming that Tottenham Hotspur put him up for sale in the summer, as Lowe also confirmed. And he's promised to have his say on what really happened during the pre-season, in which Tottenham left him off the pre-season tour to Asia in order for him to try and find another club. Jace, let's get your initial reaction into Danny Rose, those comments. Are they needed right now? Are you surprised? Or... Where do you stand on Danny Rose, Jace? Well, it's safe to say I won't be buying his book, that's for sure, when <laughs> it comes out. So I, won't even, I won't even see the newspaper that serialises it. No, no interest in what he says. Uh, and as, as for saying he has nothing to prove, he has a hell of a lot to prove if he looks at his performances. And maybe that's the problem with Danny Rose. He, he's, he's not seeing the level of his own performances. He thinks he's still this, as he says, you know, I was up for transfer and I'm, I'm in the first team. Well, Perhaps he's in the first team because the other two choices were injured, you know, in, in pre-season. And Ryan Sessegnon's still not back yet. So, you know, we'll see by December if Danny Rose is still the, the first choice. But he has a hell of a lot to prove after his, after his debacle with the Emirates and such the other night. But uh, I, pr- I presume the interview, in fairness, came because, you know, England offer up players for media interviews don't they during the course of the get together we've seen Rashford we've seen Kane we've seen Tyrone Mings we've seen you know a couple of the others so perhaps it was just Danny Rose's day and and it was an opportune interview rather than one that he's deliberately generated himself but like I always said last year just shut up and concentrate on your football get your football right on the pitch and then when you get that right then you then you you don't look such an idiot making the statements that he does. Well, Jace, that's what I was going to ask you. Are you stunned by the timing of this interview? Because you're right what you're saying. Definitely, you know, players are there. They've got to maybe answer questions. But Danny's well within his right to say, look, I don't want to talk. So are you surprised by the fact that he hasn't had the best of starts to the season, that he gives an interview like that when he says he's got nothing to prove? Where clearly, I have to agree with you on this point, I think he's got everything to prove, bearing in mind his really poor start to the season. No, like I said, I think it's just an opportune moment where where he's the he's the subject of media day or, or you know it's a slow news day and and he's made those comments and I, you know when he made those original ones to the Sun, don't forget, not even his own management company knew he was going to do it. He was the one that approached the Sun and said, look, I, I want to get lots of things off my chest, and and so that was an entirely different timing. Whereas on England duty, it's just just his day, so. But, but like I say, just just concentrate on your football and, and get on with that. OK. Lowell, Danny has promised that we're going to find out what's going to happen. What did happen, Lowell, over the summer? What can you tell us on Danny Rose? Because he does seem that he could have his own TV show for the amount Danny does give us in terms of entertainment value, if you can call it that, on how much he does open his mouth. Well, we know he was put up for sale. We reported the Watford training ground um, for a time, but uh, on deadline day, but the deal didn't materialise. For a long time, Danny's future has been 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 up in the air at Tottenham, um, and again, this might be a source of frustration for Pochettino and the player really that this has not been resolved either way. Um, so, I mean, unfortunately for Danny, the, the, again, the the, the, the possibilities um, didn't really present themselves. Uh, I think Watford had one bid in for him uh, on 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 deadline day that was rejected and didn't didn't go any further they didn't didn't bid anymore and I think at that point is when he left the training ground so again we, yeah, we have a, a Danny Rose at the club that um, that we didn't expect to be there and is now faces a difficult difficult season really when all three three uh, left backs are fit because now Ryan Sessegnon's there so you've got you know three left backs uh, for one position 
which again ties into what I was saying about Pochettino and his training numbers, that now he has three three players for one position. At right back, they've got even more options, uh, even though Kieran Trippier left. So it's a problem for Danny if he wants to if he wants to be be playing every week. He needs to be doing at his point in, in his career. For a player that, that says he doesn't have anything to prove, let's be fair, the, the 2016 one, Manchester City, Man United, Liverpool, Chelsea wanted that Danny Rose. This year, his option was Watford. And that mm. tells you absolutely everything you should need to know about Danny Rose's form. Jason, they're very brutal, but probably in truth, that, that's where it is with Danny Rose. Do you see, though, again, I'm going to ask you, similar to Ericsson's situation, Anyway, Danny signs a new contract at the football club because it does seem that Spurs, and you know more than this than I do, that's definite, that there does seem to be a case where the policy is that when you get to that age of maybe 31, 32, we saw the same with Lorente, that it does become a lot harder to get yourself a long-term contract at the football club. Does his age play a big part in Spurs trying to move him on? Yeah, it's definitely part of it. And I think also, obviously, it's his... Uh, probably his outspoken nature and, and, and some of the comments that he's made before about the club and the way the club works that I think has also had a bit of an effect on uh, on on his long-term future there. And, and, and again, there's another reason why it's surprising to an extent that he is, um, he is still there. Um, so, whether, you know, yeah, I, I would say Danny is far down the list of players that I would expect to sign a new contract. It's something that happens at most clubs now. You know, club players at 32, 33 are not going to get long-term contracts. And if you, you know, there is genuine reasons for that because we won't mention any particular player's name, but when you're 32 and our fans will say, you know, this, this and I, I, incidentally, I'm not having to necessarily go at Toby, but but, you know, pay, pay the person what you want and give them the, the contract that you want. So if, if you, you commit to giving somebody a, a 170, 180 grand a week contracts at 32, you kind of think, yeah, OK, he deserves that. But you're committed to paying him when he's 35, 180 grand a week, when perhaps the players then going to be playing what? The odd, you know, five or six games a season. Injuries by then take a lot longer to recover from. And, and then if you think, do you know what, I'm, I'm fed up with this player hanging around, earning this type of money, if you then try and get rid of them, you're going to be subsidising their wages for wherever they go. And incidentally, the fans then, when that player reaches 35, will be saying, why are we paying this bloke 175 grand a week when he's never playing? Mm. He's, he's, yep. he's taking money, bleeding money out of the club. And, and that's what, I mean, look at the... Look at the, the the anger that people had about Lorente at 35, getting 100 grand a week. So if you give a if a player at 32, 33, a three or four year contract at 170 grand a week, it's just madness, mate. Absolute madness. No, mm. well, let's discuss Toby Adderville then, because Jason's led us on to the next subject. Again, another player that had the opportunity there to move. There was that release clause in place. I've got to be honest with you, I'm still saying this. I'm absolutely staggered that with that release clause, 25 million, no club across Europe, no Premier League club in the top four has thought Toby Adderville played the Champions League final. Yes, maybe his age is one thing to on the negative side of things, but a top-class centre-back. How surprised are you, Lyle, to see him still at Tottenham? Yeah, surprised to the extent that another club hasn't taken him when you look at the clubs that were in for centre-halves. Um, both Man United and Man City um, in for centre-halves in the, um, in the January transfer window. Uh, sorry, January transfer In the transfer window just gone, sorry, the summer. And um, 
and both wanted Harry Maguire. But I think again, that's a that's an indication really of the trend um, that the top clubs have all have all moved towards, which is signing younger players, um, you know, who are perhaps a little bit more rough and and uh, and, and, and you know not yet the finished article, um, and bringing them through in the mould that you want to play them. Um, and so, you know, yeah, really astonishing on the face of it that you've got Toby Alderweireld, you know, one of the best centre halves in Europe, a seasoned professional with lots of experience. You know, he's just just thirty and 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 still got probably what three, four years of potentially his best football ahead of him for only twenty-five million quid. Um, quite astonishing, but I think that again, that's going back to what I said before, is much to do with. Um, the options that, that the player would go for, um, again, being being limited. You know, you, you say you're astonished that no European club came in for him. Well, there was um, there was some some interest from from Roma, but yeah, I think um, the interest wasn't as strong as uh, it needed to be to convince the player to go there. Um, so, again, is that is that uh, if you're Toby out of viral at thirty? And you've got the potential to move for free in a year. Um, is, is moving to Roma for a season or, or, or whatever um, really a, an attractive move for him? Yeah, I can see why he why he he may have um, may have opted to remain. Um, but listen, I think that was also to do with the fact that the, the clause has created a bit of a, a, a difficult situation in, in terms of the transfer fee because. 25 million is obviously what it was um, for a limited time, but clubs also know that come January he can start to negotiate with foreign clubs um, on, on pre-contract agreements. So again, you know, clubs can wait six months or or, or another year and and um, and not have to pay anything at all for him. So I think there are clubs around that are willing to do that as well. Uh, so that's why we still see him where where he is. We've seen a lot of alleged reports, Lyle, on Toby that, again, there might be the opportunity to reignite contract negotiations. I'm going to ask you probably the same question I've asked you about Ericsson so far. That Do you see the way in which he remains at the football club? The same as I asked you about Danny as well, of course. Good question. I don't know the answer to that um, um, in terms of actual hard info. Um, I mean, I'm surprised. I haven't seen those reports myself, so I'm not sure exactly who or where that was being... Um, being reported um was it reported in the, in the uk was it or was it in, it was in reported in the uk i mean to be fair the source isn't the most reliable which is why i said kind of allegedly because it doesn't really okay. have legs and we know if it comes from you guys it most certainly does have legs at sky sports and with you personally so oh, you're very kind <laughs> you know that's the reason why you know we probably haven't heard much of it because it's not been really reliable enough for you guys to pick it up okay uh well again and also i'm plugging back into things so mm. um i'll have to uh, have to do a bit more scouring for what's already been out there but uh, while i've been away but um but listen i don't i haven't heard that i haven't heard that for for a long time um the idea of, of negotiating another deal um you know the information around toby for for quite a number of months has been regarding him leaving and and, uh, and where he may or may not go and obviously everything relating to the to the, the clause that was in his contract in the summer so I haven't heard that to be honest, but uh, again, we'll see when we when we get closer to January uh, what 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 transpires there. Jace, out of your Belgian partner and Spurs teammate Jan Vertonghen's future, another one that appears to be up in the air. He was back in the team for the North London derby against Arsenal, 
loads of speculation behind the scenes. You had this crazy rumours on Twitter about a fight. You know, you get these mad, mad rumours which conspire on Twitter. Are you confident, Jace, that from the perspective of Yan Vertonghen and his future, that we could try and get that contract over the line? Well, I mean, what's happened with Yan was a, was a huge surprise, I think, to, to everybody because he gave that interview in um, in Singapore. It was in Singapore, wasn't it? Yeah, where where he looked looked perfectly happy. He said, you know, I much he enjoyed being at the club. He loves working with Pochettino, and, and and there were so many positive things. And you thought, yeah, and and I think you know the last time Yan did it, his contract it was just a, a one or two year extension and. You know, there was no real big drama around it. And I just thought, well, you know, once the transfer window shuts, that you'll probably sit down with him in set, late September, October, and, and you'll you'll come out with a with another one year and an option of a further year beyond that type of thing. And and then we came, of course, all the, the drama of his of his non selection for the first three games. So whether that's creating a little rift there that he thinks, well, maybe my, my time is coming to an end here. I don't know. We'll see if Jan's, Jan's offered one. I think it will be a, a surprise if he isn't offered a new contract. But but like I say, maybe now the, the tide has turned for Jan and he's he's starting to think beyond it. And I mean, you took the mickey out of me the other day and laughed and about the Ben Davis contract. And, and I, you know, it wasn't a case of I think Ben Davis should replace him, but maybe... Tottenham have given Ben Davis the five years because they think he's a player that can play as the left-sided centre-half and, and maybe their thinking is that if Jan does move on that, that Ben Davis won't completely replace Jan Vertonghen but is a genuine option there to, to go into that role because we know the left-sided centre-half is a much more difficult position to fill than the, the right-sided one. So, you know, don't ever get me wrong, I'm never going to say Ben Davis is ever going to be as good as Jan Vertonghen but you know, we we see with Pochettino and he's he's thinking of Foyth going in at right back. It wouldn't surprise me if Pochettino thinks that way that I'll use Ben Davis as my left sided centre half. Mm. Uh, Jace, I get what you're saying. It's just my concerns like you were suggesting that Ben Davis is centre back when you've got Yava Tongan who is let's be honest, no, an accomplished international and as you said yourself, you you know that. So I just no, wonder, Lol, you know, with Yava Tongan, every interview he's given Spurs wise, he's been very open to signing a new contract, mm. but he's also been honest and mm-hmm. said there's not much movement in terms of a new contract. Anything you can tell us about Jan Vertonghen's contract situation at the club? Well, I guess nothing very new. I mean, interestingly, of all the players we've talked about um, whose contracts are up at the end of the season, um, Jan is the only one out of them that I was categor- categorically told from a number of sources was he was not for sale in, in, in the summer. Okay. Um, and so when you get a definitive answer like that, a very definitive answer that your sources are very, very sure about, then it uh, is a really good indication or a strong indication that, um, you know, his situation is different from the others. So listen, I'm not aware of any discussions over a new contract that there were, there were none as far as I know over the, over the summer, um, whether there will be um, between now and the end of the year. Um, we shall see. I think, for Tottenham as well, and this ties into what we were talking about with Alderweireld, is that they have other players they want to bring through, players they've made investments in, um, in terms of the right side of the centre-half. They've got Davinson Sanchez that they paid what was then a club record for, um, and they want to bring him through. They want to develop him. They want to establish him 
as the first choice centre half, and, and rightfully so if you're going to make an investment in a player like that. He's obviously still young, still got um, some some errors and some some uh, some faults to iron out. Um, and Juan Foyth is, is another one. I think his uh, Juan Foyth's position is a uh, um, is uh, up in the air because obviously he's played a little bit of right back. I think um, potentially we could see him develop into a into a right back. And um, that was the way, again, it was described to me uh, during the summer in terms of how they were moving the squad around and, and why they were they potentially would have done the deal to sell both Trippier and Aurier because they saw Foyth moving to right back and, and also by bringing in Ndombele into midfield and Sissoko's emergence as, a, as probably one of, if not the first name on the team sheet now, um, would would move Dyer to centre-half because we know that Pochettino has always seen, seen Dyer as more of a centre-half than a midfield player, but actually the player had wanted to, to play in midfield and that's what had seen a, a, more of a compromise and an allowance for him to play there. Um, so that was the kind of the way that I saw the squad being reshaped. Now, Batongan is a bit more difficult to replace, like you said, about the, 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 in regards to left-footed centre-halves are more of a commodity. There's less of them more difficult to find. Really, really good ones are even more difficult to find. Um, so, yeah, I'll say it again. I mean, the Tongan situation is interesting and we'll see what happens, what plays out over the next few months um, as to whether he is the odd one out in the group that actually does get a, a new deal or not. OK, Lyle, conscious of time, I'm going to try and speed through the rest of what we've got to cover with you. Deadline day... European deadline day, we saw Victor Wanyama and Serge Aurier linked with moves away. We saw Wanyama heavily linked with a move to Club Bruges. We saw Serge Aurier being linked to both PSG, AC Milan. Both those players remain at the football club. What can you tell us in a nutshell, Lar, about both of those players' current situations at the football club? Well, it doesn't look like they've got much of a future, does it? I mean, again, I wasn't around for the European um, deadline. I was... Um, sunning myself on a beach in uh, in Penang uh, and uh, yeah, eating, eating some of the world's best food. So I was uh, not batting an eyelid at it. So I, yeah, I'd have to do some digging and to find out if um, to find out what happened um, there in any detail. But I mean, it's been been and gone now. And I think it was reported quite heavily in Belgium, wasn't it? That there was some discrepancies over over money, whether it was wages or transfer fees or what. Um, I, I, I don't know, but. Um, but you, the end product is two players who <sighs> their their prospects of getting in the team look pretty bleak. Um, got, we'll have a lot of work to do to prove themselves, and perhaps we'll only see them turn out in uh, in some cup games between now and now and the, the next transfer window. And certainly, when we go into the next transfer window, I, do, I would expect both of those players to um, to be on the market again. Okay, Jace Marcus Edwards was a player that left the football club. Surprised at all on that one, Jason? Or was that always looking like it was going to happen eventually? Yeah, I think that was one that we probably all suspected. It's it's a, a great shame that he didn't kick on as as we all hoped for. And, and you know that little fifteen minutes of fame after Gillingham, we hope would would be the kickstart. But the you know the subsequent loan to Norwich was a disaster, wasn't it? He seemed to have done okay in Holland, but probably not enough to to impress Pochettino and I think you know from the, the moment really he came back in the summer we all probably knew he was moving on I think surprise was that I think he was training at Brentford wasn't he I mean Lyle will know that I think he'd had a, a period at Brentford or whatever and then then it kind of came out of the blue that he, he moved to Victoria Setabel yes Victoria, Victoria yeah. Setabel, isn't it that's right 
And, um, you know, it was a, a strange move that I don't think I'd seen any link to him going there, but it was no surprise to see him move on, that's for sure. And presumably the club got a, a nominal fee and, and probably maybe a, a sell-on clause or something like that. OK. Lyle, next I want to talk to you about Jack Clark. You spoke about him initially at the start of the show when we met, discussed his signing. And there are concerns, I think, with supporters that he doesn't appear to be having a lot of game time with Leeds. We've heard Marcello Bielsa actually say that, unfortunately, the competition has been so high at Leeds that he hasn't been able to feature as much as maybe he was expected to. Now, do you know, Lyle, if there is a potential clause to recall him in January to maybe put him out on loan to another championship club or somewhere where he is going to get more game time? I think there is. Um, I'd have to... Double check that and confirm that. Um, but I think there is. And listen, if you, I mean, listen, he's now a Tottenham player. He's obviously on loan at Leeds, but he's a Tottenham player. So if he's not playing um, in the first half of the season for Leeds, then uh, you know, as a club, you want your asset to be to be developing and um, and, and and playing somewhere else. So yeah, again, we'll see what happens and whether he can play. I mean, I know they've got an issue at Leeds, haven't they, with the amount of loan players that they've got because you're only allowed five in the squad um, or four in the squad. I think it is uh, four or five become exactly what the ruling is um but if you have more than more than you can put in the squad then someone's got to miss out um and so it becomes a situation where all of your lone players are competing in training to try and get themselves in the team so the, that that'll be why Bielsa is saying the competition is high because um all the lone players will be wanting to play and uh, well all the players will be wanting to play um funnily enough and <laughs> but also the parent clubs as well I'm sure will all be putting pressure on Leeds to make sure their players in the team so yeah Again, another interesting one to see what plays out before January and whether he gets some game time or not. But he certainly needs it at his age. He needs to be playing every week. Yeah. Jay, scoring and winner for the England under-20s during this international break. When I've seen him, Jay, you know, he's a player with pace. Is it important he does get you know a regular run of games, whether it be at Leeds or elsewhere, so he is ready to maybe be considered as an option for Maurizio Pochettino next season? Yeah, he definitely needs game time. But, you know, like I said, I think at the time I was surprised that we didn't at least take him on the the, the Asian tour, that he went straight back to Leeds on day one. I thought there was a chance to just give him a feel for things and then maybe he would have gone back to Leeds. I think it's we probably all thought that the key thing at Leeds was that it was Bielsa um, and Pochettino's relationship with Bielsa was, was perhaps one of the few managers that he trusts. But if he's not getting any game time there... You know why? Why even wait till January? I mean, I know you can't register him to to play somewhere else, but you can recall him and he can be training at Tottenham in that time. I mean, to at least be trying to impress him that way. Because if he's only doing training sessions at Leeds and not playing, he might as well be doing those training sessions at Tottenham and and, and getting into the the acclimatisation of what being a Spurs player and the demands on him that that Pochettino will play. So. You know, and the fact then that you come to January, you can loan him out, but, you know, you could perfectly, you know, you, you should be able to be entitled to recall him because he presumably wouldn't need registering as a Leeds player because he's 21, he's under 21, isn't he? So that it's not like he's he's taken up a, a registered slot at Leeds United. So it's, it's a strange one, I think. He definitely needs to be playing football and hopefully that will happen in, in January. But until then, I'd, I'd want him as close to Tottenham as possible and, Maybe part of him going back to Leeds that we don't know about is whether he's gone back with uh, with just that little bit of uh, Billy Big Bollocks attitude of, well, I'm a Spurs player and, you know, I've, I've made it now and 
it could be a million miles away from it. But if that is one of the reasons he's gone to Leeds and not playing, then far better for to take him back to Tottenham and Pochettino to, to take him down a peg or two. Yeah. Conscious of time, Lowell. Can we finish up with some quick fire questions? Is that OK from our listeners? Sure. OK, I'll lovely. Right, Lowell, sticking with you then. So this is Eddie Gomez who says, realistically speaking, what can we as fans expect from Tottenham during the winter window? <laughs> well, again, early doors. Yeah, I mean, this, we've talked at length, haven't we, about the, a lot of uh, a lot of things that need to play out over the next few months before we get to January. Um, but I think we are obviously facing the usual uh, issue of January being an incredibly difficult market for anybody, any club to operate in. Um, so I wouldn't expect them to be very, very busy. Um, but it will depend, as it has done before, on who leaves and whether they can move those players out that they need to play, to move out. I think that will be priority number one for Spurs, will be to move on. Obviously, in the first instance, your Wanyamas and, uh, and, and Oriers and, and perhaps Danny Roses of the world, uh, especially if they're not, they're not playing between now and then. And then also seeing what happens with the other players who are out of contract and whether there can be some sizable funds recouped for them to, to, to do some deals elsewhere. So, yeah, it'll be it'll be a it'll be a one out one in policy. I, I should uh, I should imagine going into January. When was the last time Spurs did a lot of business in January? I mean, I think they've only signed two players in January since Pochettino's been there. Is there more and Ali? Can't be signed in, in January in, in the in six years he's been there. Well, not quite six years yet. Blimey, lad, we'll get we're to our club that didn't sign up for five hundred days. I think, <laughs> I think I think what you can say is that the, the, the fans, if you like, of your next spend, I think the next 12 months is going to be huge for Tottenham because, you know, quite possibly uh, Toby, Ericsson, Oria, Wanyama, Danny Rose, Jan Vertonghen all leaving. It's not going to be a massive inward fees for any of those players other than perhaps a, a bit for Jan and, and Oria would be another one. But, uh, you know, you, you won't be bringing in 150 million or anything like that to be able to go and spend. And yet we will be having to replace quite possibly six senior players and to replace them with Champions League quality players. You know, that net spend is going to have to be way beyond that. We've Probably the net spend has got to be more than it has been next summer than it's, it has been combined for the last, what was it, 18 years all in one go. So it's, it's going to be a massive uh, massive time ahead for Tottenham to bring players in. The, the main issue for Spurs, I think, for me, is that the senior players are still there, or a lot of their senior players are still uh, their best players. And what what we're going to see over the last, over the next you know eighteen months at, at Tottenham really is a a real changeover from the team that's been there for the last four or five years and been been relatively relatively successful and certainly been the core of the team. You know, changing over. So, what what really needs to happen from a long term uh, perspective at Tottenham is that the players that they brought in need to be established in themselves as the as the next best players, um, and and need to be established themselves as the core of the next team. Um, I think if Tottenham are going to continue being successful, because you obviously you can keep bringing players in, but we run so much of a risk of, um, of of them not being successful. So, the players that are there now really do need to to be filling the spaces. I think you need to see. Davinson Sanchez kicking on and, and establishing himself as, as Toby Alderweireld's replacement and starting to keep Toby out of the team. And you need Lacelso to be doing the same thing with with Ericsson, for example, and uh, and, and 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 in other areas of the team too. You need to see eventually Sessegnon do the same thing at left back. So 
Yeah, the other position that I mentioned, I think, is the right-back situation because, obviously, that was the one position they had a, f- uh, a few players lined up in that they were looking at um, or potentially looking at uh, should they have sold Aurier. Um, I think he would probably be the most likely to move on in January and you might see another right-back come in depending on how well um, Kyle Walker-Peters does and, and Juan Foyth does when he comes back in the team after he's been injured. So that'll be one to look out for. OK. Fantastic. Right, Jace, again, quick fire. So yes or no. Spurs fan since 1992 says, is it time we start looking for a placement for Lloris? Yes or no, Jace? Um, yes. Any names, Jace, quickly? Any names that come no. to your mind? No, not off the top of my head. OK, but we should be looking, yes? For the style of football we want to play, yes. OK, fine. Lol, just on the right-back situation, you brought it up there. This is a question from Jay Spurs3. He says, do you think selling Trippier and not replacing him and putting KWP in the firing line was a bad move by Pochettino and also Pochettino refusing to use Sergio is a sign of bad management? Now, I don't expect you may be going into much detail, but just on the face of it, we have seen Trippier come out and just be honest and say that he wasn't given any assurances about his own future, which led to him leaving the club. Were you surprised by that? And you've already mentioned that you do expect Spurs to maybe look at that right-back situation come the January window. Yeah. No, I mean, the first question you asked me is that bad management. No, I don't think so, because I think, I think Kyle Walker-Peters has been considered one of Spurs' most promising youth players for quite some time. And he needs to be given the chance to, to, to prove himself in the team, as the other youngsters have had the chance, you know. Uh, whether it's been Harry Winks or whoever, you, whether they whether you think as a you know it's, it's subjective isn't it but whether you think they're ready or not they still need to be given the chance to prove themselves and I think Kyle Walker Peters has needed that space he's had two players at the very least ahead of him um, for well for all the time that he's been pushing for a place and 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 you know not been given enough of a chance to prove himself. So if you want to bring players through from your academy which is still part of Spurs' ethos then you need to create the space. Um, so that's obviously what they've what they've been trying to do is move move out um, Trippier, which they did, and also moving out Aurier, and um, perhaps having a look in pre-season whether they thought Foyth and and Kyle Walker Peters would step up and kick on because pre-season again is also a time when players can can move up a level and really show that they're capable of of, of, of competing for a place in the first team. So and then I think that's what they did, and then towards the end of the window perhaps had a look at um, maybe getting in another if Aurier left, um, had had Foyth and, uh, and, and, and Kyle Walker-Peters not, not shown the gusto they needed to. So the fact they didn't go and sign one um, was, was obviously, I think, an indication of, of, um, of some faith they had in, in Foyth in particular. And I think it's a shame that he's been injured. So there's a lot, there's a lot to, to, to play out um, in that team and certainly in that position, I think there is in particular. OK, well, I think that's probably the perfect note to leave it on, Lars. So it does sound like January. Definitely keep your eyes peeled as a Spurs fan. Yeah, absolutely. Again, I'll go back. It depends on, on, on who moves out. One out, one in. Just, I think I would keep that in mind. One out, one in. OK, Jace, is that music to your ears? Keep your eyes on January? <laughs> I'm dreading it. <laughs> I'm looking forward to January the 31st. Oh, my God. (laughs) I think I'd rather one out, one in. I think there'll be two or three out, maybe one in. Yeah, yeah. Dybala being the man coming in, lad, yeah? No pressure. No chance. No no chance. (laughs) Jason's not having it. Lyle, give us some hope. Give us some hope, Lyle. What do you think? (laughs) Dybala? Who knows? Oh, God. Who knows? Who knows? 
I'll just say wait and see, shall we? Let's wait and see. God, hasn't Lowell perfectly kind of ticked that for his next appearance now to kind of say wait and see? He'll be back, Lowell. Thomas, thank you so much, love, for coming on tonight. I know it's dragged on longer than it always does, but thank you, love, for coming back. Fantastic to have you back no on the worries. show. No worries. I appreciate it. And I also appreciate the uh, the guy who was uh, worried about me when I was away. Oh. So, yeah, you can... If he's if he's listening, thanks for the concern. I appreciate it. It means at least one person on Twitter loves me, and everybody else doesn't. <laughs> no, listen, it's so poisonous out there, Lyle, But I promise you, you're adored when you come and do this show. I said to you obviously off air that you know for us that you know the interaction factor. Someone you came on, I think you'll be surprised just about how much love there is out there for you and the knowledge that you give to us as supporters because we're in the dark. Let's be honest about it. You know, Jason laughs about all these 700 transfer links, and we we have a laugh and joke. But to be fair, we come to you. You are the source of knowledge on Tottenham, and we can't thank you enough for taking a time out to always make time to come on the show no, i appreciate you very very kind thank you. thanks for the compliment and uh, yeah i'll do my best you are a star and jace thank you for coming back on the show when i did say to you and i have to apologize here that i promised jace there'll be no mention of transfers until early january but jace forgive me it was the international break you gotta let me off well as i say mate it was just a good chance for me to remind everyone that you lost seven nil in the transfer window <laughs> so, you know, you're never gonna live that never gonna never live it down, down. No, guys, watch out for the YouTube of that show, Rival Survival. Honestly, look out for that. Guys, we are going to be back on Love Sport this coming Thursday with another edition of Last Word on Spurs, a very special edition, which marks a special day in our history. So keep your eyes peeled for that. We've got a show on Patreon coming out to you as well later this week. A big week on Last Word on Spurs. We don't stop. The players might have a bit of a break with no Spurs games. They have internationals, but we keep going over here. Thank you again. Enjoy the show. And as always, come on, you Spurs. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.